Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, Gridiron and Growth, the podcast that takes you inside the minds of business champions. We are the hosts, Benny Fowler, Ryan Harris, yours truly, champions of Super Bowl 50, but more importantly, here to help you find yourself on your personal or professional journey. And always remember, friends, make sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with some awesome people who want to grow, too. Well, Benny, I'm excited about this one. We have Super Bowl champion, owner, creator, philanthropist, Jordan Norwood here with us. What's up, Jordan? Hey, man, it's, a, it's an honor to be here with you guys. You can't start and you still have the <laughs> You still have the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, right? Kurt, no, Kadarius Tony man. didn't. He, did he break that? He broke it, and you know, if we run it back, I feel like he stepped out of bounds, you know, maybe a yard prior, but yeah, he broke the record. We don't like Kansas City in here, so, yeah, right. I mean, hey, we're not giving well. them any credit, so. They pay well, that's all I'm saying. I got to say, though, man, <laughs> I want you to look at something next time, Jordan. When you kicked that, when you had that punt return, for some reason, I thought we were down on that end. Like, we were, I was on the kicking side end, and so he caught it. So I'm going, I'm like, oh, crap, we're going to be late to get to the huddle. So I'm jogging down as you're running towards us. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, get, I'm like, I'm dodging. If you watch it on the on the on on our sideline, I'm dodging like two referees because I know if we get hit, flag's coming out. You should have threw a block, man. Really? <laughs> I, I didn't need to. Look at you with all that speed, Going man. back, Going even back to the punt return, don't get me wrong, Super Bowl 50 punt return was super incredible and led to us, you know, ultimately getting that win. But I also think about your punt return against Pittsburgh, which was called back, if I'm not correct. It was Ryan's fault also. That yeah, was. running exactly. on the field. <laughs> I wasn't alone, but I was one of the I was one of the You nerds. didn't fair catch that one. Did you no. do the same thing that you did in Super Bowl? No, so that one was um that was a case of the ball hitting the ground, it's rolling on the ground, uh, right near the sideline, and Pittsburgh decided to touch the ball. Uh, which not many people know the rule, but punt returners know this rule. If the other team touches the ball, um, then the punt returning team can pick up the ball and run it. I can fumble it no matter what. It's going to be our ball. Uh, So I know that rule um, very well. I'm like daydreaming about (laughs) when this is going to happen in my career. And they touch the ball right near the sideline. I just run over and scoop it up and run, um, you know, maybe 70 yards for a touchdown. Ryan Harris, somebody <laughs> ran on the field too early. Got I was called excited, back. man. You, know, you hadn't done it all year. You know, you gotta wait till week fifteen and start running stuff back. No, you didn't look excited, man. Uh, <laughs> you were walking. No, I re- moseying. Right. I remember watching that in film, and I had no idea what had happened. I had no idea that the offense was out there because I was on punt return right. blocking, but I had no idea that you guys ran out there. Yeah. I mean, hey, offense alignment. I mean, we try and get a head start, man. <laughs> you know, we try and get a head start. You know, a head start to run ten yards. Hey, man, it's a you twenty know. yard jog onto the field. <laughs> you know, I, it's it's interesting to think, you know, about whether it's that punt, the punt return in Pittsburgh. What I think about most with with Jordan is when you had your first child, okay. and. He was in the locker room like three days later. So for those of us who've had children, you know, fulfilled our bond. You know, I haven't done that duties. yet. <laughs> um, there's something weird that happens, especially in the NFL. When you come back, first of all, you're with your family and it's all family. And then you come back and nobody cares that you just had a child, right? Like, and I remember you were sitting there. It was early because you got there early. And you had your hands in your head, and you're sitting there. I was like, hey, man, don't worry. It gets easier. And you looked up at me like, oh, thanks, man. Like, how did you know I was talking about my kid? And, like, since then, you know, to me, we were always friends because we had yeah. that shared bond as, as fathers. 
Absolutely, man. And and the crazy thing is that there's different types of organizations, and you've been in, on a few. Both of us, all of us have. But I was nervous to say, "Hey, can I go meet my wife at she's in labor?" Yeah. Because I was in organizations before, I won't name them, where you should be nervous to ask to leave work. Name them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Call them out. And uh, one of our coaches <laughs> on our staff that year, I had our first kid, he made me send a picture. He's oh like, my congratulations, send a photo. I was like, send a photo? Am I going to lie about that? <laughs> like, I'm in this euphoric space as a father, and I got to send a picture to this right. coach. Unbelievable. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kubiak sent some, sent some flowers. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Nice. Shout out to Coach Coop. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Coach Coop. Just diving into the conversation, man, you're an undrafted free agent, correct? Yeah, you're undrafted. I mean, that's we have that in common. One of my earliest mentors in the league, I forgot, maybe you had been maybe year four or five when I first met you uh, and killed it during the preseason my rookie year and then tore your ACL. But talk about your undrafted journey, man. Like, to play as long as you played – up until last year, longest punt return in Super Bowl history, just an incredible teammate. Um, talk about your undrafted journey. Like, what team did it start with, and, like, how did you get to that point where, you know, where we won the Super Bowl together? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a unique journey, um, honestly. I mean, obviously a lot of players go undrafted and end up playing a long time. Uh, for me, obviously undersized, uh, undrafted out of Penn State. Uh, two other Penn State receivers got drafted that year in the third round, um, and they were both undersized also. So I was like, oh, I'll probably get drafted in the fourth round. <laughs> um, but anyways, no, it was, it was definitely a grind. Even if you you are drafted, it's a grind. But um, I always seemed to make football teams um, when I did make the football team because of my skill at wide receiver, which doesn't typically happen, I don't think. Um, for undrafted wide receivers, typically you're making the team as a punt returner or – um, you know, a gunner on special teams running down on kickoff. I never did any of those things because I'm not big enough or strong enough to. <laughs> I've done it in preseason and got tossed all over the place. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's super interesting. Just like you said, I had a great preseason, killed it, and then tore my ACL. That was the history of my career. I'm, you know, a route runner. I catch the football. I'm coachable. Um, you know, a great third receiver, like, period. Um, you know, even if I don't have a spot on special teams, they feel like they need me on the roster somewhere. Um, so that was kind of my journey and, you know, ended up um, – so started in Cleveland, undrafted, got cut that year, went to Philadelphia uh, for their practice squad, got cut the next year, went back to Cleveland, uh, spent three years there, uh, got cut. Tampa Bay got cut, uh, then ended up in uh, in Denver, so – you know, I think I've got cut more times than I've made a football team <laughs> <laughs> coming out of training camp. But, um, you know, you just keep playing, man. Talk about that journey. I think that's one of the things that maybe people are starting to get an insight to now in terms of, like, shows that are coming out or hard knocks. But, like, moving from city to city, I, my wife and I – well, not my wife and I. My wife, because we didn't get married till after I was done, but maybe towards the back end – half of my career, she got to see how much I was moving and she was moving with me. Talk about like how hard that is in terms of like, oh, you know, you're really living out of a suitcase and like you can't pack that much or buy furniture or anything like that as an undrafted player. Absolutely not. Never. <laughs> you know, we've probably all learned the hard way at some point. Um, yeah, I remember in Cleveland, you know, signing with Cleveland, thinking I'm going to make the team. U-Haul, got the U-Haul, brought all my stuff out to Cleveland Got cut like a week and a half later, so <laughs> driving it right back to State College, Pennsylvania, uh, where I went to college. But 
Um, you know, that, that's just the way it is. Even, you know, year, I think it was year six by the time I got out here to Denver. Um, so I was out of football 2013, 2014. I'm, I'm in Denver uh, having a great training camp, thinking I'm going to make the team, but don't. I don't buy no lease of an apartment, <laughs> buy any team furniture, hotel. team hotel. Yeah. Um, and then I tear my ACL. And then at that point, I'm like, okay, well, now a torn ACL tells me I'm going to be here all year, yeah, right? <laughs> which so, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy, right? So the second I tear my ACL, I'm like, okay, I have no apartment. I know I'm going to be here all year rehabbing. Um, so I had just met my now wife, um, Aaliyah, at that point. So she... Shout out she's to Aaliyah. The, yeah, she's the one that drove me to my surgery. Uh, we had we had been dating for like five months at that point. Uh, helped me get an apartment. Um, you know, helped me get a mattress. Like we just had a mattress on the ground where I just had a mattress on the ground. Um, that was the only thing in the apartment. So um, it's it's crazy, man. You just gotta figure it out and be flexible. That's for sure. Absolutely. Now, was she surprised? Just real quick, you know, was she surprised, Aaliyah, when? You're like, oh, it's not like in the NFL. You're like, I'm gonna have surgery. You're like, I'm having surgery tomorrow yeah, yeah. at 6:30. Was that like a shock for her? How, how the medical system works when you got an injury like that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Cause she, um, I think she was expecting just more time. I yeah. mean, that's all it is. I mean, it's you know when you tear your ACL, it's okay. Let's see how strong your quad is to see if your quad and calf muscles and everything surrounding your knee can handle the surgery. Um, and I, I guess I tore it pretty clean, so I was pre- I was ready for surgery right away, and um, that kind of took our relationship to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> Came home from surgery, threw up on her a little bit oh, when I got man. out of the car, you know. Yeah, you know. Well, let's talk about because not only did you have a phenomenal career and recovery from surgery, <laughs> you you man, you are one of our favorite teammates in what you've done after the game. You have an NFT project that actually brings value to people. I've been to your Super Bowl parties that you throw. That then led to a big three ownership team. You're a photographer as well and have all this skill. So what have you built since football? Man, um, yeah, so since football, uh, kind of towards the tail end of my football career, as you guys probably know, I started shooting photography. Um, Great you know, Super Bowl pictures. Yeah, I would be that dude before before away games when everybody's outside at the plane, I was like, yeah, I got you. I can take your picture. I would run. I would take pictures of people outside the plane, run on the plane, open my computer, edit the pictures, and send them to everybody that I just took pictures of before we took off. Um, so that was like the the beginnings of my photography journey, which I love. I still love shooting photography. Um, but other than that, um, a wellness company called Magic Wellness, uh, which is primarily a CBD company, uh, might, get, might get into some other functional, holistic. Therapeutics. Therapeutics. <laughs> hey, put us on the list for the um, uh, test, you know, the, the test subjects, the first yeah, clients. Absolutely. We got you, man. Um, so magic wellness, photography, uh, the NFT industry. Which you know, is doing Aces, some, right? Uh, the Aces, which is a membership, uh, a, basically a lifestyle brand and membership. We have 3,000 members worldwide that basically, when we launched, put um, cryptocurrency into a community treasury uh, which is what we voted on to buy that big three basketball team uh, last year, which uh, we're going into the second year of our ownership with big three power, uh, which is in first place. Let's go. Uh, Come on. Yeah. No surprise the champ again. <laughs> Let's right. go. Let's go. Yeah, man. So, you know, just, you know, trying not to start too much, you know, learning along the way, learning what it means to count the cost before I, uh, you know, jump into new endeavors. 
uh, count the cost financially, relationally. There's a lot of, you know, things that you need to focus on before uh, just jumping into to businesses. So uh, le- definitely learning along, along the way. Can you talk a little bit about your transition? Because I think that's one of the toughest things that athletes, CEOs, whoever it may be, that transition. You know, we've had another guest on here that talked about the transition in terms of, you know, him leaving a company and the identity. I call it the LOL syndrome, loss of logo. Like, can you okay. talk a little bit about um, what your transition was like? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I think I'm still transitioning. Um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever not be transitioning out of out of being a, an athlete, uh, whether it be professional or, you know, a lifetime of football and basketball, really. Um, I always, I mean, I love that LOL, um, you know, because that's something that I definitely felt and still feel from time to time. And, you know, a lot of it for me was this, um, I didn't, I didn't really have this identity issue. I, I knew that I, my worth was bigger than football. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes from a foundation of faith and, um, you know, those sorts of relationships. But, uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that other people look at me as, uh, hey, this is Jordan. You know, he has the longest punt return Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and, and first of all, that's just like a weird stat. Like, who cares, <laughs> honestly? Or maybe I'm just... I, mean, I care. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Okay, yeah. well, okay, well, yeah, I care. I, care. <laughs> I care. We care thousands of others. Yeah, well, I mean, but you get it. It's like, okay, yeah. um, it's at some point I wanted to move on from being introduced that way, f- for sure. Uh, but at the same time, I liked it, you know, because it, it, it gives me some notoriety. It, it gives me a free appetizer at Red Lobster or something. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so it's kind of you, you try to play both sides of it. So so that being said, when uh, Tony broke the record um, in February, there was like this little sense of relief, like, OK, hopefully I don't need to get introduced now as Jordan Norwood with the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. Um you know, even though it still happens, right. which, is, which is fine. <laughs> I get the same thing with Peyton catching right. Peyton's last pass. It's like, yeah, yeah. no, I, I totally get that. But yeah, well, yeah. Continue to tell me about like the transition in terms of all the business endeavors. What was the first move in terms of like, okay, I'm done playing football, and this is now what I'm doing. Sure. Yeah. So the the first move was photography uh, and videography. So we actually, and by we I mean my wife Aliyah and I. Uh, we started shooting in 2016, really. Uh, we shot like family portraits for for Todd Davis um, and other and some more, some other teammates uh, while I was still playing. Uh, so that just kind of carried over pretty quickly into uh, you know a professional photography career, uh, mostly shooting um, like professional headshots. Uh, we got looped in with the high school senior portrait. You know, scene and we're you know, we were the the go to photographer at a couple high schools, nice uh, shooting high school senior portraits, and then we would shoot a couple weddings, uh, also each year. Which uh, that was that was probably the most trying piece of the transition. Uh, all of it was kind of trying, but uh, and when I say that, I mean working with my wife, and you know, having this me coming from such a structured background of organized sports. And, you know, inputting certain actions and behaviors to get certain results. Um, I, I was just a little bit too much. <laughs> I was like, okay, babe, we're going to shoot this wedding. You need this little, like, uh, bungee cord on your hip, right, that has the shot list that's laminated. And you need, a, uh, you know, a, a Sharpie that you can check off the shots that you get at the wedding to make sure we don't miss any shots. 
in your other pocket, why don't you make sure you have like six batteries? Just like, <laughs> I mean, just just way too much, right? My wife's like, uh, you know, I'm I, struggling I with that right now. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we need to do all that. Like nobody's nobody's that worked up about you know. You know, they want the to make details. sure. Yeah, the details. Like, we are every single week in the Professional Football League. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned is there's no, at least for me at this point, there's nothing that um, directly compares one-to-one with being in between the lines on a football field. You have to be there mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, like, you need to be all there, focused, um, or else you'll make a mistake or get hurt. Um, you know, and you can't take that type of intensity into you know shooting photography with your wife. Right? Um, <laughs> Not advised, at least. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. yeah, maybe you can, but you know, it didn't. It didn't work for me, and you know, I found that in a lot of business instances, that type of intensity, uh, it, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, in, in small doses, it might work here and there, but. As a strategy and approach, um, it's typically too intense. What was your, you know, every athlete that's successful after the sport is successful saying no. What's your process for saying no to a deal or to a new opportunity that really doesn't fit with what you want to do? Yeah, that's definitely something that I've had to learn, um, especially, you know, probably in the last three years. Um, I've intentionally learned it, I guess. Um, but I, I just have some structure and boundaries in place. Um, what are those? Um, I have relational boundaries. Um, so I know that I'm going to spend a certain amount of time with my wife and kids uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, that's non-negotiable. The, the ability to, to get up and travel uh, with my wife and kids at this point is non-negotiable. Um, so those kind of relational boundaries... Um, there's financial boundaries uh, that might be a little bit more obvious. You know, if I don't have the cash, then I'm not going to act like I do to invest in something. Um, and then, and then from a business standpoint, there's some, um, you know, maybe moral sorts of boundaries. Um, you know, boundaries that relate to my faith. That you know, hey, you know, that's you know, that's just not for me. I'm happy to pass this down the line. I know some, um, you know, guys that I played with or. Um, you know, people that I've interacted with over the years that might be interested, but that have no morals. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't yeah. say their name. Don't say their name. Y'all two name. are good. Y'all two are good. Yeah. But um, you know, yeah. So that's how you yeah. put it together. Yeah, boundaries are great. You know, boundaries give you the freedom. That's what I, what I say. But you know, I don't think boundaries rep, uh, take away freedom. I think they give you the freedom to to navigate things the way you want to. Talk about ownership, you know, being an owner of a big three team and and talk about, well, you talked a little bit about how that came about, but talk about what that's like in terms of going to the games and owning the team. Talk a little bit about that ownership piece. And now that you're on the other side, you know, being an owner. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so so actually the big three, the basketball league, uh, Ice Cube and, and his team, uh, they actually sold NFTs last year. Uh, that represent ownership in their in their twelve teams. Uh, so with that, that's what we purchased as the Aces uh, group. Okay. We purchased these NFTs that represent ownership. Uh, so we actually co-own the team with the Big Three League. Uh, the league itself pays for you know the player salaries, travel, lodging, 
Uh, and we get to do some really cool things as an ownership group, uh, like, you know, monetize the brand name of the team, sell merchandise, uh, you know, get people courtside at the games uh, and have some other, uh, you know, really cool experiences. Uh, but it, but it's all really cool. So the coolest part, number one, is that I get to interact with Katino Mobley, who's somebody <laughs> somebody that I, you know, looked up to playing when he was playing alongside Steve Francis uh, for the Houston Rockets in the NBA. Uh, so getting to interact with people like him, you know, Nancy Lieberman, uh, who's our coach, Royce White, who had an NBA career also. Um, you know, it's it's just really cool just getting the chance to interact and then at the same time trying to figure out how we can serve our team in a way that I would would have liked to be served, um, you know, as a player in a professional league. Uh, so also have a lot of room to be creative with the league being, you know, kind of smaller and not, um, you know, not as is growing. So we have room to be creative with what we can do with our team and with our players. And we're excited to do a lot about a lot of that this offseason. Can you talk about what you would have wanted different now that you're on the owner side of things and how you're looking at that? What would you have wanted to be different in the NFL as you think about just yourself as the player? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say that most of what I wanted to be different uh, just depends on the organization, first of all. Um, when I was here with the Broncos, it was a lot different than when I was in Cleveland uh, with the Browns. Um, or it was a lot different than I was in Tampa Bay for one week and I was happy I got cut. Sometimes they do you a favor. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm good on this. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think most of it just comes down to, for me, it comes down to stability. Um, you know, as an undrafted player, always fighting to make a team. Uh, once you do make the team, you want to feel like you've made the team. And, you know, you don't you don't get that all the time um, in every organization. I got a lot of that as I was kind of touching on with the Broncos, uh, you know, being able to say, hey, you know, my wife's in labor. I'm out of here and uh, not thinking that I'm going to lose, you know, my job or even just my spot in the lineup that week, uh, which which is definitely the case in plenty of organizations across the country. Um, and then, there, you know, there's other things like just general stinginess in some organizations that I never understood. Uh, and maybe, and I think a lot of that, again, is being an undrafted free agent, you know, going to the equipment people in one particular organization and asking for another pair of socks and having to go show them my other pair of socks before I got a new pair of socks. That's like, ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. And they took three pairs that morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And they got plenty of stuff back yeah, there, which oh, is man. crazy. Uh, my last question for you, Jordan, and, and I was excited to ask you this since we knew you were coming on. A lot of people in life are not loud or, you know, audible, but they're super strong, you know? And when I think about that Super Bowl 50 team, we had some loud, outrageous cats, and you were one of the strongest on there. What do you say to people who may not have the exterior that shows the bravado or shows the confidence? How do, how do people still remain confident and be themselves? How did you do that? That's a good question. Um, yeah, for me, that, that confidence always, always has come from being grounded in, in who I am and my identity. And, you know, all of that, like I've mentioned, relates back to my faith and um 
you know, is it, and that's part something that I struggled with a little bit early in my NFL career, just like a lot of us, right, getting dropped in a random city at, you know, 21, 22 years old, um, you know, trying to sort out if you're going to make a football team, trying to sort out who your friends are in that city um, and how you should act and move and, you know, being undrafted, um, you know, seeing other people that were drafted and make a lot more money than you move a certain way. Um, you know, that, that's kind of an interesting thing to navigate. And professionally, I would say that um, consistency um, is something that has always done well for me, uh, whether it's on the practice field or, you know, in my own household, uh, in private, you know, those, you know, just being consistent uh, in the positive things, at least, um, <laughs> is, is something that goes a long way. And, um, and yeah, I think that's what I would encourage is is finding this foundational piece of, um, you know, answering that why question um, and answering it from a standpoint of identity um, rather than like a task oriented standpoint. Um, like why, who am I is is an important question to answer. Love that. And to finish up, I got to ask, give me your favorite Peyton Manning story. Oh, man. (laughs) My favorite Peyton story is uh, Sanctuary Golf. Um, So we go out to the Sanctuary and Golf every year, or we used to. I think they still do. But we, my group, um, we had this rookie. You might might remember him. I can't remember. I can never remember his name, but light-skinned dude, like curly hair. He was a safety uh, I think he's the same year as you, um, maybe the year younger. But anyways, he was in our group, our uh, group of four. Peyton is the group behind us. And we we walk up to this tee box where you have to walk up some steps. It's elevated, beautiful view. Um, Peyton's group had caught up to us. So he's like, hey, guys, let's walk up to the tee box real quick. Um, you know, hop up here. And this rookie is the last one up to the tee box. And Peyton has all of us stand um, basically facing the wrong direction on the tee box. And it's just a neighborhood. Like, it's clearly just a neighborhood. Um, but he's like, hey, rookie, you're up. Let's see, let's see what you got. And this rookie just li- puts his ball on the tee and hits it directly into a neighborhood. He was so nervous. Oh. <laughs> like, just directly into <laughs> a neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, he hit a great ball. But, but into a neighborhood. Just directly into the neighborhood. And Peyton's like, hmm, that, that's a pretty good shot. You know, okay, guys, let's turn around and hit it the right way. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and this dude, yeah, hey, no, just, you let jokes. it happen too. You didn't tell him to turn around. Hey, man, you know, we weren't going to win that tournament anyway. So. <laughs> Rookie's got to learn. <laughs> Rookie's got to learn. Man. Well, Jordan, man, appreciate you, man. It's always good to see you, man, and glad to see you're thriving. I think just the way you've transitioned with the grace, the humility into life after football. I think that's just something to be commended. And I think a lot of people will continue to learn from you and the direction that you're going in. So, man, thank you for joining us on the Gridiron and Growth podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me.